everyone, and welcome to the ADHD Unmasked Podcast. I'm your host, Shanetta Trundle, and Happy New Year! No, no, did I like that one? Happy New Year! Um, anyway, Happy New Year. Uh, welcome to 2024, y'all, we made it. Um, I am so optimistic about what this year will bring. I really am. I'm claiming a beautiful, easy, yet challenging year. I hope you are claiming an awesome year for yourself as well. In today's episode, we speak with Shalisha. Shalisha is a 15-year veteran of the product design industry, focusing in on home accessories and stationary products. Shalisha was late diagnosed with ADHD during the COVID era quarantine, like many of us. Uh, Shalisha is someone who I would consider has super ADHD, meaning she's a high performer. Uh, So we discuss what that means for her and especially what it means for her as a Black woman in corporate America. This is a great episode, you all. I know I say that all the time, but I really mean it. I love it. There's so many gems. Uh, So let's get into this episode. Um, we used to work together, um, and Shalisha is just a super awesome, high-functioning ADHD person um, based in Atlanta. Shalisha, let's pause our very awesome conversation and just tell the people about yourself and what field you're in, and uh, when did you get diagnosed with your ADHD? All right. Well, thank you for that intro, Janetta. <laughs> um, I... I am born and raised here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, As Shanetta said, my name is Shalisha North. I've actually, believe it or not, I only use Shalisha, like my government name, when I started working in corporate. Like everyone knew me my whole life up until like graduation of college as Leisha. So that's kind of what I go at corporate wise. I don't know. I felt the need to like have my full name because you know that's Mm -hmm. how people would look you up or like set up meetings and stuff so however way you want to call it shalisha alicia um i have been i'm in product design i've been in product design for 15 years now which is kind of crazy um that i've actually been with the same company that long that's like completely unheard of like everyone that i talk Mm -hmm. to how do you do it what is your secret what did and it goes back to something that you had said about the joy joy that I get out of doing the work that I do. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, that's what they're in search of, right? Like things that mm-hmm. that they get excited to do, things that um, they're proud to work on, things that they don't have to drudge themselves out of bed to do. And, you know, that's been my magic formula, um, creating product. And when I talk about creating product, the really condensed, shortened version of that um, is that, it is very complex, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the average person knows what goes into a product that ends up in a store um, when you go and buy it or even online. And my responsibilities can overwhelm me at times, <laughs> if I'm being real. But, you know, you have the aspect of color, creating artwork and print pattern, designing product. Mm-hmm. Um, communicating these ideas in front of your peers and leadership, 
translating that into ways that vendors can create things, reviewing, making tweaks, and ultimately fast forward, it ends up somewhere that a person can buy. Um, and mm -hmm. that's just a around the clock thing, right? Like we're just doing this around the clock many times a year, um, nonstop. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it never of, stops. I was, it never, sorry, I was it explaining never, this to somebody in an interview and I was like, you know, going through and I'm like, so yeah, like it seems like, okay, you have like a four week waiting period between, you know, development and like actually getting a product in, yeah. but actually you jumping into the next cycle. Yeah, it's just back all and, yeah. and I know I completely simplify that there's a lot more that goes into it between um, collaboration with key partners and buyers and sourcing. You have to create design strategies and documents and like convey, mm -hmm. almost sell these ideas as to why we should go in a certain direction. You're building mm -hmm. brand from the inside up um, or inside out if, if brands don't exist. Um, in my current role, I am working with um, design partnerships and like collaborations and different um companies and people that that are collaborating with this company that i work with <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um in general though you know it, i realized that while i am detail oriented i am not a multitasker um it's difficult for me to mm -hmm. stay, stay on task and i don't even know you know, I think like I got diagnosed with ADHD officially, maybe was it during the pandemic? I think there's just a lot that like culminated. Um, I had a pandemic baby, first of all. Mm -hmm. So my brother. Um, personal life is always gonna bubble up. So, you know, relationship things, you know, personal life, there's things that are stressors on your mental. Um, I had mm -hmm. parents that Health were deteriorating. Um, mm -hmm. And so there was just a lot stacked on top and stacked and stacked on top of things um, that ultimately I was like, okay, I've tried therapy. I'm not consistent. I've tried therapy. I'm not consistent. And so part of a declaration that I made was to be consistent with therapy. And as part of that therapy, I was seen by a psychologist and um, psych psychologist and psychiatrist. Um, mm -hmm. and I was getting to a point where my thoughts were so jumbled, I was having extreme anxiety. And mm -hmm. um, through discussion of like symptoms and like things and things that I had been told by others, just like not being able to focus when, you know, they're having a conversation with you or like this never ending list of things like starting and not stopping, just, all of these mm -hmm. things. So it kind of like was like, oh, I never considered myself to have ADHD. You know, it mm -hmm. wasn't something that I just brought up and I was like, hey, I think I have this. Um, but it was, you know, for the professionals that kind of diagnosed me. And um, I do feel like that has definitely opened my eyes to a different way in which I can move throughout the world, right? Like, <laughs> it was like, um, another thing that I found, you were the first person with ADHD that I like actually saw write these very in-depth notes. Like almost, you do. You write notes so in-depth that to me, it's almost like it's almost like a dump of everything in the conversation. It's like almost like you are, you know how you have like a transcript? That's how you take notes. And then I've seen somebody else take notes like that. And I was like, oh, that's what that is. Like, I was just like, I was like, oh, okay. Like, it's almost 
it's so in depth that it's just like wow. I don't know. It's different. It's well, not summarized. You don't take summarized notes. You take absolutely everything, and so which is yeah. it's, a, it's a curse and a good thing, I guess. Like it could be two. It could be seen both ways. I am of the mindset of like you never know what is the important tidbit that you need to take away from it, right? So it's like mm -hmm. capture everything because you don't want to miss if you're trying to catch a quote, right? Like you want to be able to fully capture the entire phrase or it, like I said, to be able to go back and understand the progression of a conversation or the progression of a meeting or whatever it is, but to a detriment, you're not able to really recall any one thing because your brain mm -hmm. is processing so much. So like, even at the end of something, I've, I've taken all these copious notes, right? Oh yeah, I'm so astute. I've got all these notes. But then somebody might ask me like something and I draw a blank because I was so in the idea of capturing the information. Mm -hmm. This has been me my whole life. Mm -hmm. Although I was positioned as high achiever, like I went to a magnet school, I've always been pushed and told da, 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 da. I struggled even with basic assignments. I remember very distinctly in like ninth grade, eighth grade, something like that, a reading assignment, we were gonna be mm -hmm. tested on it. The book was Crime and Punishment. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It was like this really thick ass book. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the test was so like stressful for me. Like I bought the book. I highlighted, I flagged, I like took all of these notes. At the end of the day, I still failed the damn test. Mm -hmm. And it broke me because I had people that was boasting about how they didn't even read the book. Like they were reading and skimming and then they passed. And I felt like a failure because I was going above and beyond, right? Like I was trying to do mm -hmm. everything in my power to achieve the desired outcome, mm -hmm. which I thought was being thorough, doing these things, figuring out and trying to find a way that I can dissect the information and process it and hold it and recall it and it failed miserably. Um, mm -hmm. In hindsight, maybe this was, you know, a part of this ADHD that was undiagnosed or like my learning mm -hmm. style and the way that I recall information and even house information is very differently. But mm -hmm. it's still something that I feel like there's opportunities for me to like evolve from, mm -hmm. but maybe I'm also like just in an indirect way or subconsciously telling myself that I'm doing a good job if I am being that that detail too. So I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that directly answers your question. I know. So Shalisha, what, what, how do you manage, do you manage your ADHD with medication, without medication? What are your thoughts on medication? Mm -hmm. I am not always on meds, but I do feel as though taking them um, especially when I need to be super, super efficient and focused mm -hmm. on things, um, has helped tremendously in, in this. And so, although I'm not a big proponent of like taking meds, you know, again, mm -hmm. parents, health things, like they've been on meds. We weren't like the biggest like supporter of having that be a part of our everyday. But I do think mm -hmm. for people like myself, they work. And so, you know, that's kind of where I am at this point. Yeah, I, 
I always am off and on with my medication as well. Like, and the bad thing is like, sometimes I'll stop where right now, like if I don't take my Adderall, I forget to take my antidepressant. And like, sometimes I'll do both. Like, but medicine always like, I don't know. It's just getting up to take the Adderall for me. Like it tastes like sulfur going down. That's like the first thing. And then hmm. it like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's the one I'm taking, but it, to me, it just takes it like it feels like I'm like I don't know. And I just like no, if I hit, if it hits my stomach before I eat, it's gonna be an issue. If I forget and I drink coffee, it's gonna be an issue. And so to me, it's almost like I put I use what is it the procrastination thing, <laughs> whatever <laughs> form of procrastination, and I put that towards my Adderall. Um, but yeah, I'm. I don't know. Like I like so since I'm at home with my son right now, like it depends. Like when my husband was out of town, I took the Adderall because I knew I needed to be hyper vigilant. I needed I knew I needed to be more focused with my kids versus when he's here, then I definitely don't take it. But then mm -hmm. it's also like it just depends on like what I want to do that day. Um but I do wish I could be more consistent because then I know that overall, like there are goals that I have yeah. that I'm just not able to achieve um, because I'm just going off of vibes. As um, my friend who uh, I interviewed before, just free ball in life, you know, um, because she couldn't take, she can't take the medicine because she has heart issues. And gotcha. so she, but she also, like I said, to me, you two are very similar with how you, you know, approach work and being super um, efficient in your work, work life. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it medicine is tricky because especially if you are like a natural path kind of kind of gal, you know. Mm -hmm. So. So, yeah. Um, so when so I know you said you're not a big proponent for medicine. So like when you get a headache, do you usually not take medicine? Are you just like I'm teas and herbs? I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I don't really get sick like that. Like I I don't have headaches. I don't ever oh. have my other half gets migraines like mm -hmm. he gets a migraine gets really bad so like i'm like oh thank the lord i miss me mm -hmm. <laughs> but like i just i don't i really don't like the first sign of a cold or something i'll be opening my emergency and drinking tea and all that mm -hmm. i will take a liquid like flu or cold medicine if it's really okay. get bad but for the most part you know i just really stay clear of of, of meds so Mm. Oh, okay. I haven't really had to lean into that very much. Um, Do you have a, a very specific diet? Like, are you vegan or? Sure, I be tiptoeing when I feel like <laughs> me. I, I feel that I am most of the time very conscious of of what I eat, mm -hmm. and I am not gonna say I am, you know, like vegan all the way or super healthy. I don't indulge in a lot of dairy, um, but I also mm. am a longtime adult of eczema. Like I was born with it really, really bad. Got it. Got it. Um, mm -hmm. Certain, I know certain foods, at least in my mind, mm -hmm. up. and seasonal. Mm -hmm. I've done the whole allergy testing and they try to tell me up and down that things that I thought make were linked to aren't but i don't know i still doubt it so in general though um i like my balance like i love certain healthy foods and i love certain unhealthy foods but like mm -hmm. 
I can eat a salad at any time, right? Like I can have a sweet tooth and have a mixed bowl of fruit. Mm-hmm. And in the same vein, I could be like, oh, I want a bowl of ice cream. So it just depends. Um, I say there's balance. There's balance in a little bit of everything. I don't. So do you find do you find your medicine uh, decreases your appetite at all, or are you able yeah. to? Yep, yeah. it does. It does. Um, I generally unfortunately have stopped eating breakfast just altogether um Mm -hmm. and when it is time for me to eat lunch my other half Mm -hmm. basically nudges me via a message is Mm -hmm. like lunch break take a step away like Mm -hmm. he is the one that is like you need to stop (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's hard for me to put that intentional action Mm -hmm. make it like I can just get in and in and work and work and work and work and work. Um, mm-hmm. And hyper focus. I think half of it too is to be honest. Um, so with me working remotely, my time differential is an hour later than most other people that I work with from the headquarters, right? So mm-hmm. I'm East Coast versus Central. And so I cut my day i do a hard stop every day at five which is mm-hmm. four o'clock their time and then like i i won't say i technically start later but like i'm also taking my kids to school in the mornings mm-hmm. um and then i try and squeeze in also housework in the morning while i'm getting them ready so like oh, wow. i feel like when i work i need to like cram it in right like i gotta mm-hmm. maximize what i do in that time because i already mm-hmm. know like i'm taking off when they're still at the office kind of thing which mm-hmm. i don't know why i still have that perspective because like this is the arrangement i've had for eight years right or however long mm-hmm. been. i've been working remote yeah, this long. um you've been working remote. let's pause on that because yes. you've been working remote um even prior to the pandemic you said for right. eight years pre-covid so let's yeah, so how did you get that arrangement? Why did you get that arrangement? I mean, I know, but why did you get that <laughs> arrangement? And um, yeah, tell us more. Yeah, so, you know, it's really, I think it's funny. Most people may not find it funny, but in general, I, the place that I live, which was Minnesota, mm-hmm. It's no surprise that that demographic is low when it comes to black people, right? <laughs> so um, it was a, a number of factors. I had had, I, I mean, I had done the thing, moved for work, been hired, bought a house, started a family, all of that. And then I realized that there were things that were missing. All of my family born and raised here in the Atlanta area. No one's ventured out. I'm the most adventurous one (laughs) having gone that far, right? So part of it was new baby, grandparents, family, like want to be close to them. The other part was, you know, there's clearly a racial thing that that's happening in Minnesota. No one really wants to talk about it, but I think there was some light shed on it with the George Floyd situation Mm -hmm. prior to that though there's numerous instances that Mm -hmm. i experienced and my other have experienced from a racial profiling situation with police oh yeah we've had numerous encounters Mm -hmm. that were completely uncalled for i mean things as simple as having a nice car 
and my other half be asked if he sold drugs because of it like how did he get the car mm -hmm. like it being pulled over trying to find directions and the police not having a valid reason other than saying we were parked too many inches away from the curb mm. I'm, it's just wow. numerous things so that was also like maybe this isn't the place that we want to like live live mm -hmm. um and then talk about you start to move and branch out and i was open to this idea of well maybe i need to move into the next chapter so mm -hmm. the person that actually facilitated and helped me put together this idea of making a proposal because at the time my area the vp was like nobody works or no don't no it's not on the table like anyone who comes mm -hmm. no, no, no. at that point it was only one person in the entire department that had been approved to work remotely and she kept being positioned as this pilot person mm -hmm. my mentor when we sat down and really talked about it um she was like do you have any issues i don't have any issues i don't think they're gonna make make allow me to be remote so i was getting prepared to like resign basically mm -hmm. and she was like well just try just ask because you don't know like mm -hmm. how can you already be moving on to this when you haven't even attempted to see if they would entertain the idea and basically the rest was history um mm -hmm. they clearly agreed to it i wrote a proposal and then i was able to move um and you know we we will all have our own reasons as to why mm -hmm. they entertain that. I could chalk it up to I really am a valuable employee to them, and what I brought to the table they felt was different enough to keep me on board. Mm -hmm. um, it could be that there wasn't a lot of black people on the team, mm -hmm. right? And so they mm -hmm. needed to hold on to that <laughs> demographic from a creative mm -hmm. perspective. And especially um, because you were wanting to leave because the city was not welcoming yeah. and like was actively discriminatory. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I want you say something like that. Like, like, I just felt like we were always like on the outside, but I've never, my husband is a big black man, right? My husband is six, four, you know, 400 pounds, big ass dude. And I always wonder, like, we get like side comments but I don't feel like we've ever experienced that level of blatant discrimination. And I don't know if sometimes I'm like, is it because people are just afraid of him? Or, you know, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what is it that I haven't, um, and this is me just being curious, like, what, or are we just so oblivious? Because I also think he is, um, neurodivergent too and like are, are we just not paying attention yeah there's just i mean that's yeah that's the past the city is great right like yeah. i still love it um fleeting thought every so often like do we go back but it's just funny like this is not really on top of what is on top of like minneapolis is always deemed it's been hailed as like the number one city to raise a family the perfect city and yeah, i'm like no for who the people that are yeah. singing this for who because for white people because i've talked like, about yeah. it is not applicable to all people and so i don't know again I somebody think said minneapolis was the sorry but they said minneapolis was the white people's atlanta 
And like, I don't know where I heard this. I don't know where I heard it, but I thought it was so funny. I ain't um, never heard that one, but yeah, that's funny. I, um, but yeah, it's just no, I agree. Like actually having kids in the school system and realizing how um ignorant the teachers are as far and not ignorant in like 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 literally ignorant to the needs of black students or ignorant to their the way they speak. Uh, my my youngest son has ASD. And so we've been going to this, or me and him have been going to this mommy and me kind of group about like learning how to teach them. And um, so he he's doing really well. He's speaking really well. Um, but in the meeting, in the group meeting, so like we leave the kids and they go play with, you know, just each other. And then the lady who was leading it, um, like she seemed super cool. And then she just did what white women do and say says like the dumbest thing she was like well i'm very privileged and like it's just like the well-intentioned white womanness of it all yeah. you know i wanted to add in a note to this when i uh and a little bit more of clarifying language when i say the well-intentioned white womanness of it all um basically there it's a, a moment when someone who is you know doing the work i guess or trying to you know read an anti-late racist literature but still somehow comes off elitist and still somewhat racist and i later explained this um that minneapolis has a hand a white savior hood hand and in that um in that meeting the um the teacher she she was explaining something um, somewhat relevant to topic, but not a hundred percent relevant. And it came down to, um, you know, why black students utilize systems more than white students. And it something like, you know, uh, about having a car and it just, and I was just like, so you saying all black people don't drive, don't have cars. You're saying all black people are impoverished. And, and so that was kind of the vibes of the white womanness of it all. But she spoke well, like, and, um, you know, it just it can become exhausting at a certain point, even if people are well-intentioned to really, it still is coming from a place of, I have experienced better and I don't know just doesn't feel right no and that is that's the hand of minneapolis it's always white saviorism and well-intentioned white people which in it in which feels to me in, in itself is racist because it still feels like you poor poor negro you know that's I how say, i mean i haven't found that generally speaking but again there's instances um that I can relate to. I, I know I took offense for those who, another little tidbit about me. So I had a professional dancing journey or whatever. I was like an NBA Timberwolf um, dancer and I did some modeling oh, cool. on the side. And one, of the gig, and one of the gigs that I had, I'm in the chair getting makeup done, right? And this person is speaking with me about my skin and they're like oh your face is, oh your your skin's so smooth and then you get into what do you do for work and i'm telling them and they're just like they basically chalk it up to it was luck that i got the mm -hmm. job um 
man, you lucked out. Or what are the chances that you would be hired by this company? And I'm like, my skills, my ability. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean it's luck? You know, like they were trying to say, like, it was the race card. And I'm thinking, no, like, on my own, Mm -hmm. they were attracted to what I presented to them, right? Like what Mm -hmm. I could offer, what I could bring. Like this wasn't a handout. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. this wasn't a take pity on you. We need to do whatever. Like, I don't know. And I often felt like that was, from that perspective, that was kind of, kind Mm -hmm. of deep. People assumed. Yeah. People assumed like, yeah. And so, yeah. I always I always felt like when working at the company um, I used to work at, um, there was a sense of that I should be grateful when, Mm -hmm. and I didn't, that was something that I'm like, again, you know, and this bringing it back to the ADHD, like, you know, I would be working to me, I would work, be working very hard to get very little. Right. And I just, I remember one time I was with, walking with my boss, who I was close to at the time. And she was like, and I was saying, you know, I was really impressed with this other girl. She was like, yeah, it makes you feel like you want to step, step it up. And I'm like, why do I, why do black women have to work twice as hard and do oh, like the overabundance of work, you know? And that's something I'm, I, I admired that about the girl, but that she also was doing over an abundance of what was required for her role. And I'm like, I don't know. I just felt like I feel like black women in these roles are expected to be grateful and because we are grateful work over w- our capacity and then if we say we're tired which is me because I'm like I'm exhausted then it's well you're not good enough or do you know I don't know if I'm making that clear. Yes. I oh, feel like oh yeah. I, I feel it. like I mean, I'm ex- I was expected to work above and beyond Versus being like, and I and I definitely did, but in other ways I didn't do enough. You know, the reason I wanted to interview you is because I feel like you have that super ADHD, and I um, interviewed somebody else with super ADHD, which is like the highly efficient ADHD, um, and but she's a white woman, and so what? I guess the answer is almost like a conundrum, like when you are at your lowest and you're super stressed. Are you given the grace? And as a black woman and you know, I don't have super ADHD. So my, I guess my question is like, is this, am I seen fully as an individual or do you, I don't know. Like it, does my blackness have something to do with me being pushed out of a career or is it just, I'm just terrible? I guess <laughs> it's like kind of the question, like, you know, when, you know, cause when I'm on, I'm on, but when I'm off, I am horribly off. And, you know, I'm just curious to see if you've ever experienced any of that. Anyway, this is not about me and that company. I do feel like from that standpoint, yes. I mean, we talk about glass ceilings. We talk about um, perception and like how we're seeing things of that nature from, from a racial you know, point of view. And not that ADHD has like clear racial divides or whatever, but when it does come to, I know my experience in corporate, um, there's a bit of a frustration that occurs when you are told one, you say that, well, you tell me that I'm 
high functioning, right? So I'm told from my my peers and my managers that that I'm great at what I do, that they're impressed, that I am high performing, that I'm this, that I'm that, and I'm asking for certain things, right? I'm asking mm-hmm. for certain things, not unreasonable things, um, not even monetary things, right? I'm not asking for, well, show me through pay raise. I'm not, I'm, mm-hmm. no. I'm simply saying the amount of time that I put in, I do think that I should be promoted or the time that I put in. Yeah, because it took you a I long should... time to get from designer oh my to God. senior designer. That to me is almost unheard of. Like the amount of time that you were at this company and that other people were at this company. Girl. And again, if you get in the positive feedback, oh my you should have been a I level seven a while ago and I you still not... level six. So I did not understand it. And I kept getting told, various things like everyone was passing the buck right like my manager would say they're doing everything that they can in their power they are advocating and then it's like but hr says that in order for that to happen this has to happen it's like a waiting game or someone has to leave to create a space like that's not my problem like y'all need to figure out what y'all need Mm -hmm. to do because i've been being told this year and year and year you know over and over the other thing that i still feel I can't help but feel <laughs> some racial thing. Like, I don't care how you split it. Been with this company this long, right? Mm-hmm. I I work in product development, product design, direct vendor. Mm-hmm. You know, I have yet to take an overseas trip. Oh, really? I have still not taken an international work trip. After I, 15 years? Girl, I have not. Not even to do shopping, not even to I have go. Not, I have not. I have not. I think it is mind-blowing because I was given every excuse under the book. Wow. Um, I even was told by the exiting EVP that mm. that was not okay and she was going to work towards that. But then again, she left. So, hey, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I made peace with it because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm being fulfilled in other ways in my life. And mm-hmm. things will happen when they, whenever they need to. Like, that's not going to, you know, define my career or whatever, like taking mm-hmm. a trip. I think fundamentally, though, there's just an issue with yeah. things that happen like that. When you see peers around you, lower levels, mm-hmm. less experience, teams that may not even really have a direct connection to the purposes of these trips, mm-hmm. and you're still in the same space so to Mm -hmm. all of that to tie back to is there is race a factor in some of Mm -hmm. these things that happen um whether that's movement recognition experiences and things of that nature i definitely Mm -hmm. do like there's just systemic things that are still in play and they can be color code candy coded color coded however you know Mm -hmm said in a way that's more palatable to digest or corporatized, jargonized, however. But at the end of the day, like we all know what mm-hmm. it is. Like either someone is not following through or it's not that important to them. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, so that that that's my thing. I just feel like at the end of the day, as a black woman in this role, I felt like I became successful the minute I was given a job offer and didn't have to go back home. And, and live with my parents, right? Like they they, mm-hmm. they they pay for me to go through school. And so anything after that point in which I could make my own money, support myself, mm-hmm. 
was a win. You're taught very young, or at least from my my perspective and my family experiences. Um, on my dad's side, like my older sister, it's just the two of us. She was first mm-hmm. college graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was often deemed the one that made it corporate, mm-hmm. fancy corporate job, well-known company. Mm-hmm. Anything I did, basically, I was like, don't rock the boat. Don't rock mm-hmm. the boat. You know, you're in keep your head down, do your job. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the philosophy that was kind of instilled in me, right? Like for a very long yeah. time, which is still a part of who I am. I'm just like, as long as I'm managing, as long as I'm perceived as doing a good job, as long as, you know, I'm secure financially, like don't mm-hmm. put up too much of a fuss. Don't give them a reason mm-hmm. not to like you. Don't give them a reason to pull you to the side. Or pull your coat mm-hmm. to the book, like just do your job, do what you came to do, but still go a little bit extra so that mm-hmm. they, you know, like I'm all like always just trying to inch up just a little bit to to, mm-hmm. to let them know that I'm still like trying to move forward. So yeah, it's just it's a it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that makes me sad. I don't know why I'm like I'm getting a little bit teared because I have not taken my antidepressant. Oh. Um, but I feel the back oh, no. of my my eyes like kind of watering because it's like, how unfair is that? You know, it's like you either and I do think there is this. I don't know if you have you watched the movie, um, the TV show. It's called The Other Black Girl. Across that, I, I, haven't I, I haven't seen it. I was flipping through, and I just said you to my profile. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I read people on TikTok had issues with it, but I thought it was so good because it shows a lot of things about like compromise mm-hmm. and how you have to compromise to make it in corporate America. And I think one of my struggles, I, I can't really sit still. Now, I may do it in a little bit more refined way, but if, if it's something that's off, I'm gonna call anybody and everybody out. And I think I used to not be that way because I, I've been in the industry for 10 years and we used to not be able to talk about race. People used to say blatantly racist shit and you just had to like walk away. <laughs> you know, you just like, like internalize it. But once, George Floyd was murdered and we in Minneapolis and shit was burning. I don't know. It just like people started to listen. And I was like, actually, when I first start working here, I started talking more. I started calling shit out, but I just never stopped. And I would constantly call shit out. And I think, I think it was okay to a certain extent that that's like a characteristic, I guess, of mine. And then once I start calling certain people out or I start calling things out that were to me blatantly racist, then I, I feel like maybe I was going too far. And yeah. then, you know, or I'm like, I think there was a position that I wanted and I'm like, I have been consulting this team and I'm like, they wouldn't even interview me. And then I saw a friend of mine who did a presentation, which was excellent. and she had had all the skill set she needed and they still didn't hire her and i think it was because she and i knew the bullshit so they ended up they did end up being bringing someone of color to the position eventually but i like screamed kicked and said to my manager it's like they purposely not hiring a black woman 
Like this is on purpose. And yeah, eventually they did bring somebody in, but it was somebody who didn't know they bullshit. And so I don't know. I, I just feel like, I don't know. There is, it's a very hard space to walk as a black woman. Do you, do you just put your head down and assimilate and that, you know, or be, even though they don't want you to fully assimilate and you'll see this in the show, they don't want you to fully assimilate. They want you to be the stereotype that they want, which is this still like not sassy, sassy, fly, you know, almost exotic, really stylish person, but you still kind of go with the flow. It's like they want them dipped in chocolate, but also with a little bit of oomph. They just you know. want you to sprinkle a little razzle dazzle personality. Yeah. Sprinkle like something that, okay, that's why we like the black people. You know, like something mm-hmm. that is unique to the culture, but like still palatable. I use that word palatable. Palatable. Still able palatable. to like yeah. move through different spaces. I mean, I'll say this in the tenure that I've been there, a lot has evolved, right? A lot yeah. has changed. Culturally, has changed. There are more topics and discussions and things mm-hmm. that are in place that were not there. So I'm not knocking the progress, right? Progress, oh, mm-hmm. progress um, over perfection. Even the fact that, you know, there are certain things that are even welcome to talk about on platforms mm-hmm. and spaces. I think that's great. At the end of the day, though, it's like the changes are slow. But majority-wise of who's making decisions and who has the power, it's still leaning in one race, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's something where the majority of people in places are are still not as diverse as they could be. Um, mm-hmm. With with that said, oh sorry, oh sorry. Um, with oh, that, no, said, I'm, I'm realizing we we have gone through all of this and we didn't even talk about your personal life. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't know. I know. I feel like that's. I feel. I feel like we. I feel like we should, but I know you have to go. So I. I might have to schedule a second half because I feel like this is. You know, this is the comfort spot. But when it comes to personal life and how we manage, you know, to me, mine's is a mess all the way around, right? But, um, but one thing I know is like once you work and you're so high performing. Um, in one area, I I know like I just need to lay on the couch and like just like kind of shut everything down. Sometimes I'll be like, I'm done being a mama today. You yeah, know, <laughs> so, I don't do that. I and I talked to my yeah. therapist about that, and her mouth was on the floor. She was like, Wait, what? She was like, So then you do all of that? I was like, Yeah. And she's like, Wait. She's like, I mean, to each their own, and if it works for you, and I'm just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. And that's a lot to like break down. So maybe we do, um, maybe we schedule another time to talk. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know how much I will divulge though, because a part mm-hmm. of that, yeah, we'll just, we'll figure out how to move, move forward mm-hmm. with another extension or something. Yeah. Well, thank you for the part one. Um, <laughs> talking about, I feel like we more, more so talked about uh, black women in corporate versus just black women with corporate with ADHD, but yeah. but I think it all connects. And um, you know, thank you for this time, and thank you for just you know 
hanging yeah. out and thanks yeah i know so and I'm i hope you are doing well it's good to see your face you know it's nice to have wow. a person and like get out of the the routine and the monotony of the things that i'm i am doing day in and day out for for work but um yeah i mean i'm glad that you are creating a space in which you know these things can be talked about um because i know even working alongside you for those who didn't mm -hmm. know Shanetta and i actually were working on a working in an internal group that brought together mm -hmm. kind of all of the team members that identified as black in this creative mm -hmm. uh, product design space. We were working together in a group alongside each other. And um, I mean, all of that to say, Shanetta is great. And I'm so glad that you've, you've put together this, um, this podcast, this format to, to, to talk about some of the things that, you know, aren't as front and center and mm -hmm. to, to shed light and have um, different perspectives and opinions and experiences shared because you just never know who can take a little bit of a tidbit away from something. All right. We want to thank Shalisha for coming on and unmasking with us. Uh, it takes a lot to be very vulnerable and to be open to this process. And again, thank you so much, Shalisha. And for all of you who want to hear more about ADHD Unmasked, please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, as well as you can now hear us on Spotify, Apple Pack, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. All right, we'll catch y'all next time. Bye-bye.